When you ask people where they want to die, the overwhelming majority of people say that they want to die at home. But the truth is that most of us are going to die in a hospital, especially in Western countries. And the thing is, we forget that in this conversation, the ability to die at home often relies on the ability to age at home, to stay at home as long as possible, and to be healthy as long as possible. And it also means making sure that your house is set up for you to be able to stay there as long as possible. I know it's the holiday season, and that generally means that many people are going to be traveling to visit relatives or maybe they're going to be having people over. And I invite you to use this as a perfect opportunity to evaluate those homes for the ability to stay there as long as possible, especially if you're visiting somebody or you are somebody who wants to be able to age well and to die at home. Hello and welcome to Dying Kindness, the podcast for people who are going to die someday. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday. Spoiler alert, you are too. So let's all make key decisions now in order to be kinder to the people we'll leave behind. That's a dying kindness. Before I jump into the main topic of the day, I wanted to let you know that Dying Kindness has workshops. So go over to dyingkindness.com and click on the link in the top nav bar that says workshops and events and take a look at what we've got coming up. If you're listening to this before the end of 2022, then I invite you to sign up for the six-part series starting on January 9th called Death, The Basics. If you miss a couple of the sessions, you can sign up later, you can sign up for individual sessions, or just keep a tabs on the other future sessions that are going to be coming up. And if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, I do plan on doing some events in the new year that are in person, and I would love to be able to see you there. On to the main topic, staying at home as long as possible. There are two primary things that are needed for you to be able to stay at home as long as possible. The first is to stay healthy as long as possible, and that is healthy in all the dimensions, physical, mental, financial, relational, all of that stuff. And I am not going to go into that today, but I am going to be doing a series on that in the new year. So keep an ear out for that. The other main need for being able to stay at home as long as possible is planning ahead for disability. I know it's something that many people don't like to think about. And also often, for whatever reason, you don't associate the word disability with aging. But ultimately, that's exactly what's happening. Your body, as it ages, often starts to lose its ability to do certain things. And planning ahead for those losses of abilities or those disabilities is actually really, really key for being able to evaluate how long you can stay in your home, 
for being able to plan ahead for things that you're going to need as you become more disabled, and just in general, feeling prepared for the changes that our bodies go through as we continue to use them in this world that has gravity and cellular death and other things that just transform how we look from when we're young to when we get older. The idea of planning ahead for disability is something that I'm going to revisit multiple times. And today, I just want to focus on taking a look at homes. As I mentioned in the intro, the reason I want to focus on that is because so many people are going to be going to visit older folks in their homes, or they might be having people coming over to their own homes. And it's a good opportunity for you to be able to look at the homes with eyes directly and take a very focused look at whether or not the home is going to be able to support somebody staying there for how long it's going to be able to support somebody staying there or what are the changes that might need to be made in order to make sure that people are comfortable, that they're safe, and that they can stay at home. I suggest that during the visits that you actually tuck a notebook and a pen in your pocket all times. And I sure hope that you're wearing clothes with pockets because clothes without pockets are an abomination. That's just a problem. Total side note, I'm a pro pocket person. You should have a notebook and a pen in your pocket at all times because these things will occur to you as you go through all of the normal activities of arriving and interacting and eating and sleeping and all of that kind of stuff. And You should not rely on your memory to be able to track these sorts of things. It's the kind of stuff that you want to write down as soon as something occurs to you. So when we talk about the kind of disabilities or the kinds of things that happen when we age, I just want to name some of them. This is not going to be a thorough list in any way. This is not going to be something that takes into account specific illnesses and the things that are associated with specific illnesses. I'm also not going to be talking about extreme critical illnesses when you actually have to basically transform a home into a hospital room. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sort of the standard bodily wear and tear that happens as people get older. The more common and less extreme versions of losses of abilities that people have can include a loss of flexibility, a loss of strength, the inability to walk properly, maybe having a shuffling gait, the loss of being able to lift your legs up particularly high, You can encounter balance issues, vision issues can play into the balance issues. They can also cause a certain loss of depth perception. You can experience memory loss. Again, reminder that this is not going to go all the way into like somebody who has severe memory loss or dementia and Alzheimer's, but just some memory loss, which is very, very common in uh, older folks. Your reflexes can slow down. Your hands can be arthritic. In general, the body can become much more arthritic, which contributes to all of these different things. But there's a special note about arthritic hands. You can have a certain amount of hearing loss. Your vision can also make it harder for you to see at night 
or in the complicated light that is dusk or dawn. And so these are, this is just a list of some of the more common things that normal bodies go through without any extreme illness, just as people get older. So what are the kinds of things that I'm talking about here for being able to stay there as long as possible? Some of it is simple navigation, and it also is about safety. So if you start to imagine a home and evaluating it for whether or not somebody can stay there for a long time, I'm guessing that you're going to easily start to think about stairs. Stairs are a standard house feature that people have a harder time navigating, and that many, many people, it's very obvious for you to be able to see that. It's maybe something that you are actually super aware of, that there's, oh, there's stairs to get from the first floor to the second floor, or maybe there's stairs to even get into the front door. But we often don't think about some of the other things that make it hard for somebody who has balance issues, who started to have a shuffling gait that maybe is sliding their feet as opposed to being able to lift them up, or now they've maybe started to depend on using a walker or have gone all the way to a wheelchair. What are the kinds of things that you need to take a look at in a house in that situation? So it goes beyond just the obvious stairs. You might want to think about all the level changes. Sometimes when somebody puts an extension on a house or there's a transition from a hallway to a room, there's a level change. It can be just an inch or two, but that is a super trippable height. Sometimes doorways have little sills or runners or something in them so that they actually become potential trip hazards. Sometimes we're just dealing with slopes maybe a path to get to or from the house or into and out of the backyard can actually be sloped. And that may be easy when you're just walking, but it can be difficult if you're shuffling or if you're using a wheelchair. In general, uneven ground is just hard. Anything that's gravel or dirt or has a lot of cracks in it or just is uneven for whatever reason, that can be really difficult. I'm not going to talk about the bathroom stuff because that's a whole extra special thing that uh, I think that we need to put some special focus on. But just in general, thinking through the house. And it's even better if you're not just thinking about it, but you're walking through a house with this in mind. and even better better is to not just walk through the house, but to bring with you something that has wheels so that you can push it along and be super aware of where the impediments are. Because if you're a standard walking person, if you're comfortable with walking, I guarantee that there are many times that you are making slight adjustments that you are paying no attention to whatsoever. So grab a baby stroller. If somebody has a walker, you, that's like the totally greatest thing. But if you don't have a walker, then use a baby stroller or just your wheeled suitcase. Roll it along. Notice any time that it gets stuck. Notice any time you have to lift it in order to get from one thing to another. Any time that if you let go of it, that it might actually roll away on its own. 
all of those things are places where a house can actually become more of a hazard. And so take notes of those and just think about what it would take for somebody to be able to navigate that comfortably and feel confident about being able to get in and out of their own home or in and around their own home if they were to start to have a hard time walking. Now, if somebody is actually using a walker, they're slightly wider than your standard person walking. But if somebody uses a wheelchair, that's often much wider. So if somebody is using a wheelchair, then there are some additional things to think about. If any doorways are particularly narrow, if any counters are tall or they need to access the counter in order to be able to do something like wash hands or cut food in the kitchen or things like that, if there's hard to reach shelves, if the refrigerator is configured in such a way that it's actually like the best places are up high, that's actually very difficult. Like if the freezer's on the bottom, if there's no bathroom on the first floor or not a full bath on the first floor, then that can also be really tough. If there's no elevator to get into the apartment or if the elevator is too narrow and difficult to turn a wheelchair around in um, or is otherwise, you know, just generally less accessible, that's something to think about as well. If somebody has balance issues and is not using a wheelchair or a walker, then the kinds of things that are a hazard to them, some of them may surprise you like a wide open floor plan. Awesome for a wheelchair to be able to navigate a room that has a lot of space in it. It's actually difficult for somebody who has balance issues to walk across a big open floor. There's this term they call furniture surfing, where people are basically touching one back of one chair to the leaning on a table to touching a wall and just using these different supports to be able to navigate across a room. Well, if the furniture is all spread out, then they aren't able to do this additional support that is actually would be helpful to them to get across a room. Now, one of the pieces of danger furniture, if anything in that room is a rocking chair or uh, like a lazy boy, easy recliner kind of thing that if you touch the back of it, it might collapse. There's folding chairs. If there's other things that are wobbly, then the furniture surfing becomes actually an issue and they might lean on something that gives way under their weight and that could cause them to fall down. Steps without handrails are, of course, a big issue and that can just be a single step, you know, just one step to get into or out of a garage or just to get up to the front door. If there's no handrail on it, and often there is no handrail or very nearby wall, just because it's only one step, then that's something that you'll also need to plan for, the, that that person will need to plan for. And another one that we don't often think about is the ability to get out of bed. Sometimes people have a hard time when they first wake up. That's actually when sitting up can affect their balance really negatively. And so sitting up, say, in the middle of the night because you need to go to the bathroom, if there's no good way to get from the bed to the bathroom, 
because there's no support, then that can actually be a, another cause for falls. There are a crazy number of people whose major fall or breaking a hip that ends up in the hospital and is all kinds of all kinds of problems can arise from that. A lot of times that can be just from getting up out of bed. So take a look at the bed height, the supports around the bed, and the path from the bed to the bathroom. If instead you're talking about somebody who is experiencing a loss of flexibility or a certain amount of loss of strength, then there's other considerations that might become hazards in the house. If you have deep, comfy sofas and easy chairs, those are fantastic when you have a flexible body and enough strength and ab strength to be able to sit up and push yourself up out of those deep chairs. But there are nightmare traps when you don't have that flexibility and strength. You're just stuck there. You're like a little bug stuck on, you know, a piece of flypaper or something because they just suck you in and then how are you going to get out of them? You have to like roll to the side and crawl and then use some other supports to stand up. So super undignified and somebody who has a loss of flexibility and strength is not going to enjoy that. If there's a lot of stuff that's stored underneath like a sink or if there are low drawers, then those are actually difficult to get to when you have a, a diminished amount of flexibility. And also lower chairs and toilets can be harder. They take more strength and energy to get up off of. And so that's why you see often toilets are swapped out for things that are slightly taller. They have a, you know, if it's a chair, they have a supportive cushion on it so that it actually raises the seat a little bit. And that just makes it that much easier to get out of the chair. Now let's talk about night vision and the loss of depth perception. Boy, that's a hard word to say, depth perception. <laughs> this one, you want to take a look at how good is the pathway lighting, especially the edges of things, where the gravel meets the grass or where the step in the front actually, you know, how you do you get up into a space. Anything that's a level change, a surface change, anything like that must be lit very well, and especially the edges of things lit very well for people who have a loss of night vision and a loss of depth perception. If somebody is starting to experience arthritis in their hands, then some of the things around the house that become difficult are things like, you know, opening jars, bottles, screw tops, um, it's also like keys. Sometimes if the keys are very, if it's a tight um, space or it requires a lot to be able to turn something like a door handle, that can be very difficult. Anything that uses a combination lock like personal safes or um, I don't know, luggage, the, you know, combination locks can be hard. That kind of like fine motor control starts to become difficult. Tiny buttons, alarm keypads, phones, remotes, all of those sorts of things can be difficult based on the lack of control in your hands or the loss of vision. They just become no longer useful and just sources of frustration. If somebody is experiencing memory loss, the things that become a danger around the house as people start to experience more memory loss 
are things like doors being left locked or unlocked, being able to lock yourself out of the house. This is actually, this is a problem. If you are in a situation where people can, they're living alone and they can lock themselves out of the house, that's, that's a problem. They can also leave the stove on and that is of course a problem. Uh, things like coffee makers that don't shut themselves off, appliances that in general don't shut themselves off. Those are all things that to keep an eye out for if you see early signs of somebody or yourself experiencing memory loss. I mentioned slow reflexes, and I also mentioned that we'd be talking about the bathrooms a little bit later. Bathrooms are a very special hazard. They're generally hard surfaces, often with sharp edges and there's water involved so things become more slippery and generally people are also naked and vulnerable in there so bathrooms should get their own special attention if you want to take a look and see if people can get in and out of a shower if there is a bathtub you know can they actually like lift their their legs over or is it a thing to learn how to sit down on the edge of the bathtub in order to be able to get in? Are the surfaces covered in something that is non-slip to reduce the chance of slipping in the shower? Are the toilet seats high enough? Are there grab bars in the bathroom to be able to get in and out? Does somebody have to reach to get the towel from inside of the shower because that reaching can actually be enough to throw off somebody's balance? You know, there's all kinds of specialty things with the bathroom. I am not at this point making recommendations about ways that you should fix all of this stuff. I'm just inviting you to look around and to take notes. I'm not making specific recommendations. I'm not trying to scare you, but I do think that it's essential for us to be able to observe and to think ahead about what things are needed and why they might be needed and this, of course, isn't even a very exhaustive list of things that are needed. So this is just about taking the opportunity of the time that you're home and around with uh, groups of people, if you're going to be doing that sort of thing, to see the home in a slightly different way with an eye towards being able to age well in it. In the spring, I'm going to be doing an interview with Linda Schrager who wrote the book Age in Place, a guide to modifying, organizing, and decluttering mom and dad's home. Linda and I have been talking and having some scheduling issues, and so we were not able to do this yet, but I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to have you, while you're home or while other people are in your home, uh, to take a look around and start your oh-so-important list of notes. So that's it for today, and I hope that this has been helpful to you. As always, you can find more information and transcripts and ways to sign up for the newsletter where I give all kinds of extra resources. You can go to dyingkindness.com for all of that. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions, and everything else was done by me. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday, but hopefully not before I get to enjoy a few more holidays with the people that I love. Mm-hmm.
today's death reading is a poem by Amanda Lovelace from the collection To Drink Coffee with a Ghost. She learned that dead moms were not just a thing that happened to characters in her favorite fairy tales. It happened to girls like her, too. But the difference was there was no omniscient narrator to teach her how to navigate it. The Cracked Compass.